Good morning, and thanks for joining us once again here at STSA Church Online, where we are in the final week of a series called You Are What You Ask, where we are looking at four questions, four questions that hopefully we can begin to integrate into our day-to-day life that will help us make better decisions. And the reason why this is so important, as we've seen from the start of this series, is you're only as good as the questions that you ask. Okay, when all is said and done, and you look back on your life, your life is only as good as the questions that you asked along the way. So for example, someone who asked themselves the question, will this make me happy? And that's how they made the decision. Will this make me happy? Will this make me happy? Will this make me happy? That's a person whose life would probably be characterized by comfort, convenience, and probably selfishness, because you're only as good as the questions that you ask. Person who asked the question, will this make me rich? Be a person who probably accumulated a lot of money in life, but probably not a lot of close relationships. A person whose question is, will this make me feel good? Will this make me feel good? As a person who probably, their life would be characterized by having lots of fun experiences and lots of pleasurable experiences, but in the end, probably not much depth in anything else. Because you're only as good as the questions that you ask. You're only as good as the questions that you ask. That's why in this series, I have been challenging you to do a better job of asking better questions, which will lead to better decisions in the end. And just in case you missed any of the first three, let's go quick recap, okay? I want to know, for those of you at home, can anyone remember the first three? Like, ask ask the people who are on the couch there with you watching this thing. Can anyone remember what the first question was? The first question was what we call the integrity question. It's this. It's, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself, really? And you have to ask it the second time, okay? You can't just say it once. You have to ask, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself, really? Okay, and that, that, that question really hit to the intent and the motivation inside us. And what we realized is all of us, okay, all of us are good at deceiving ourselves. So if we're going to make better decisions, why did I decide that? Why did I not decide that? Why did I, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself really? The second question, anyone remember it? The second question was the legacy question. And it was this, what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Because when all is said and done, at the end of your life, your life is nothing but a story. Okay, this year, the decisions that we're making in 2021, when all is said and done, okay, the year is going to end, will simply be a story. And what story do you want to tell? What story do you want told about you? Every decision you make is a permanent part of your story. It's a chapter in the book of your life, in your autobiography that you're writing. So if we think in terms of story and in terms of the end, We can write our story. We can make decisions today to be part of a story that we're proud to tell tomorrow. Last week was the third question. Okay, who remembers it? Anyone remember the third question? Call it out at home if you do. It was the conscience question, and it was this. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? And basically what we talked about here is that all of us have inside of us the Holy Spirit, and sometimes the Holy Spirit isn't quite comfortable with something, okay? And we call it our gut, call it an uneasy feeling, call it just something doesn't settle, okay? And sometimes, I'm not saying to change your mind based on your gut, but what I'm saying is to explore it. Don't ignore it, but explore it. Don't just keep on going, but we need to pause and find the cause of that hesitation that's inside of us because oftentimes that's God's way of saving us from something that we will regret. 
Now, that was the first three questions. And if you missed any of them, you go on our YouTube page, okay? You can get caught up, all right? You can watch all of, all, all of them and you can binge watch because, hey, let's say, you know, it's, it's some cold days. You don't want to go outside. Nothing better to binge watch than the well. Or let's say you want to spice up date night with your wife. What better way than pop on some Father Anthony in the background, turn down the lights, and let the mood take you where it will, okay? But let's get to today's question. Today's question is the maturity question, our fourth and final question. And before I tell you that question, I want to ask you a different question, not related. I want to ask you, are you a snoozer? Are you a snoozer? And when I say snoozer, some of you are thinking to yourself, I hope this sermon's not going to be a snoozer. And that's not the kind of snoozer that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, are you a person that snoozes? Okay, when the alarm clock goes off in the morning. And raise your hands. How many people out there are a one-time snoozer? Okay, like a one snoozer. How many of us, if we're honest, we're a two-time snoozer? Any three-time snoozers out there? Okay, snooze one, snooze two, and snooze three? Well, in case you're wondering, okay, the way it works for me, I go through phases. And there are phases of my life where I am very disciplined, where the alarm goes off and I get up. And even before the alarm goes off, I usually get out of bed. But nowadays, I'm in a snooze phase. <laughs> I'm in a snooze phase, and I'm blaming it on the cold weather outside. It's freezing outside and just so warm under the blankets. Whatever, for whatever reason, this is how my typical wake-up routine goes, starting the night before. The night before, I will set my alarm very, uh, not, uh, uh, I will be very optimistic, let's say. I'll be very optimistic about what time I'm gonna get up and how much sleep I need. So I set the alarm and I have my plan and I'm gonna wake up early and I'm gonna take my morning walk. Okay, that's the first thing I do in the morning. Then I'm gonna have my time for uh, my prayer. Then I'm gonna eat a good breakfast and then I'm gonna get dressed and ready so that I can leave the house at a decent time and not drive like a maniac to drop off my kid at school. That's my plan every single night. And if I can do that, I will win the day because if I can win that first hour of the day, I feel like my day is set on a path of success that's my goal. And then the morning comes. And then the alarm rings. <laughs> and when that alarm rings, okay, it's almost become an, in, it's a reflex. Boom. Okay, straight to the snooze. Just boom, straight to the snooze. And then the mental gymnastics, okay, it's incredible at, at when we're so, quote, tired and so unable to move. The ability to reason and logic and have discussions with ourselves and do complex mathematical formulas. Because the first thing you think to yourself is, okay, I don't need the whole nine minutes. That's what I think to myself is. I'm going to snooze, but I'm not going to snooze for the nine. All I need is just five, just five minutes, okay? It's just one snooze, and I'm only going to use half of it. And then you start to think to yourself, okay, when it's about to ring again, uh, you think, okay, well, actually, you know what? I built in buffer, didn't I? Yeah, that's right. I added in an extra six minutes, okay, for traffic, but there's never traffic these days. It's COVID, so, and we start to calculate it again. Snooze, alarm rings again. And we snooze, then we go through the, you know what? I don't need to take a walk. Snooze. And then the next time, uh, I don't need, breakfast is overrated. I need to fast. You, you, I should be fasting. Yeah, yeah. Snooze. And we sleep in again. And then the thing goes, and then all of a sudden, uh, brushing my teeth is overrated. Showering is overrated. Hey, they can't smell me on Zoom, can they? And we snooze, and we snooze, and we snooze. Until finally what? Until finally, we realize how much we have snoozed. We jump out of bed in a panic, and our whole day is set on a completely different course. We're rushed, we skip breakfast, we drive like a maniac on the way to drop our kid off at school, just praying that we can slide them in the door before they lock it and make us you know, sign the little tardy slip or whatever it is. And the whole day gets off to a frenetic start. Question, 
Why do we do this? Why do we do this to ourselves? Like, why do I do this to myself? I'm a disciplined guy. I'm a, I have self-control. Why do I do this to myself? I know and you know. We're smart people. We know that the extra nine minutes of sleep, the extra nine minutes of sleep is not going to make or break our day. Like, it's not like all of a sudden like we will be very rested if we had just nine more minutes. Or for some of us out there, it's 18 minutes. Some of us, maybe 27 minutes. That's up to you. I don't know what it may be. But come on, let's be honest. Those nine minutes, that one snooze, isn't going to add to my day. In fact, it's going to do the opposite. It sets my day off on the, gets my day started on the wrong foot, and it sets me on a course of frenetic from, from the start. I get up feeling behind. I get up feeling bad about myself, feeling like the day is out of control versus if I had just simply gotten up without the snooze, I feel good and I feel like my day is set up for success. So my question is, why do we do this to ourselves? Now, you may be saying, okay, that's not me. I'm not a snoozer, okay? But maybe you experience this same phenomenon in a slightly different way. Maybe for you, it's not one more snooze. Maybe for you, it's one more bite, one more drink, one more date, one more pair of shoes. All of us, human nature, there's something inside of us. It's human nature to like to push up to the edge, to like to go to the point where we are almost at the edge and see how close we can get to staying there. And my question is, why do we do that? Why is it that we do that? Why is it that we drive? Like, think about it. How fast do you drive? How do you determine how fast to drive on the road? Do you determine what is the safe speed? No, you're like me. You determine what's the speed limit? How much can I go over before I get caught? That's what we do. And my question is, why is that? Why do we want to drive as fast as possible without getting caught? Why do we want to eat as much as possible before getting a heart attack? Why is it that we want to sleep as much as possible so that we don't get fired? Like, why is it that we like to go right to the edge and why is it that we are willing to risk so much for the sake of something so little? Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11 says this, As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. As a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to his folly. We know the dangers of one more bite of that cake or that cookie or that donut or whatever. We know the dangers. Why is it that we're willing to risk our physical health, or our, our, our goal to fit in that dress? Why is it we're willing to risk it for one more bite or one more piece of cake? Why is it we're willing to risk financial freedom and security and peace of mind for the sake of purchasing whatever it may be? Why is it that we're willing to risk serious consequences for one more drink? Like, why do we do that to ourselves? Well, I believe there is a reason inside all of our heads that maybe you've never articulated but I promise you, when I put it up here on the screen, you're going to look at it and say, yeah, I never said that before, but that's for sure the way most of us operate. Okay. And it's, I'm going to say it and I'm going to say the same thing basically in four different ways this way. If it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's probably fine. Come on. It's not just me, is it? This is how we live our life. We tend to make decisions. We view life as right or wrong, allowable or not allowable. This will send me to hell. This will, this will keep me out of it. Okay, this is forgivable. And if it's not readily obvious to you why this is so dangerous, 
to think this way and make decisions this way. All I'm asking you to do for a minute is if you are a parent, look at this from the lens of a parent. Okay, if you're an older sibling, look at it from an older to a younger sibling. Put yourself in a position of someone helping someone else make decisions. Do I ever expect to go to my teenage son and say the following? You know what? As long as it's not against the law, don't worry about it. Have fun, son. As long as it's not illegal, have a great Friday night. Do I expect to go to my teenage daughter at any point in time and say, you know what? Do whatever it is. As long as you don't end up in jail, I'm fine with it. That's fine with me. Is that how we want kids to make decisions? Is that how we want people that we love to, to, to make decisions in life? How close can I get to the edge without falling over? The way I hear this question sometimes, slightly different way, spiritual way. I hear people ask me, is it a sin if I, and then they fill in the blank with whatever it is that they want to do. Is it a sin? And usually when someone asks that question, that remember last week, pay attention to the tension. The tension is already there. They know there's something not right, but they're just trying to find how close can I get? Is it a sin if, where does in the Bible it say that? Or what happens if, like what's the consequence if, if I do this? And basically, again, the real question they're asking is, how far can I go without destroying my life? Like, how much can I sin without going to hell? That's ba Where's the cutoff point? If I do this, like, what's allowable, okay, when before we're married? Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I? Where does it get to the point where I have gone too far? Where does it get to the point where I am, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've flirted so much that now it's officially cheating on my spouse? Where does it get to the point where I've stolen so much that I'm actually a thief? Where does it get to the point where I have ignored my kids enough that I'm actually a negligent parent. Like, where does it get to that point? Like, mommy, can you hear me? Mommy, can you hear me? Mommy, can you hear me? How many times can I pretend I don't hear them before I'm negligent? How much time can I spend on Facebook? Like, how much time can I spend on Instagram before I officially become one of those people that has a problem that they make documentaries about? How, how, many, how close can I get to that edge? Well, that's why, okay, because of this wrong mindset that most of us operate with, I'm gonna challenge you today to a new standard. And the new standard, okay, we can see biblical evidence for it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. St. Paul says it this way. He says, all things are lawful for me. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. Let me ask you a question. You already know the answer to this. Could it be that certain things are not wrong but they're also not helpful? Could it be that certain things are allowable, but they're not good for you? Imagine you go to a swimming pool and you see a two-year-old standing at the edge of that swimming pool, right at the edge, standing right there. What would you do? Would you react? If you're a normal human being, yes, you would react. You would run, you would panic, you would say, oh my goodness, and you would try to grab him or her from the edge of that pool. Now let me ask you a question. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? The child wasn't drowning. The child, the child wasn't even wet. There wasn't even one drop on that kid's body. So why is it that you panicked? Why is it that you flipped out? Well, the answer, again, intuitively we understand it because even though they weren't in danger right now, they were just one step away from it. They weren't in a moment of drowning, but they were just one small step away from drowning and from a big disaster. There was no margin for error. They were at the edge. And you know what? That's how life works, isn't it? One minute you're dry, next minute you're drowning. One minute you're safe, next minute you're tumbling. One minute you're sober and in full control, next minute you're not and life is spinning. 
One minute you're happily married and you have the respect of your friends and your children and, and everyone around you. And the next, you're not. One minute you're standing at the edge of the cliff and the next, you are tumbling down it. So back to the kid by the pool. The reason why you and I react the way we do, the reason why we run to their aid is not because of where they are, but because of the direction that they are headed in. And that gets us to our fourth question, that sometimes there may be things that aren't wrong and there may be things that aren't illegal and there may be things that are permissible, but that's not our criteria. That's not the question that we're asking. Instead, the question I'm gonna challenge you to ask, question number four is the maturity question and that is what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? We need to make a decision. And I'm gonna challenge you to make this decision today is what's your goal in life? What's your goal? Is your goal bare minimum? Is your goal just avoid disaster? Is your goal just stay out of trouble? Is your goal to not drown? And that's simply it. Is your goal higher? And if your goal is higher, then I'm gonna challenge you to incorporate this question. Not what, not is it allowable, is it wrong? But I'm gonna ask, challenge you to say, is it wise? Because there's certain things that's not wrong, but it's also not wise. It might not be wrong for you to have another drink, but is it wise? It might not be wrong for you to start a relationship at this point in time, but is it wise? It might not be wrong for you to watch that movie or watch that show or go to that party. It might not, it's not wrong. Who said it's wrong? There's no Bible verse. There's nothing wrong with this. I'm not asking you if it's wrong though. I'm asking you, is it wise? given where you're at right now. Think about your worst regret in life. Think about the worst regret, the worst decision that you made that you wish you could go back and unmake. I promise you, okay, I promise you, if you're like 99.999% of the rest of the world, that biggest regret of your life was not a sudden decision. It didn't come all of a sudden out of the blue and, and out of nowhere. What most likely happened is you made a decision that was like, okay, things are okay. And then you made another one. Okay, things are okay. And you made another one. It's like, whoa, that's a little dangerous, but still under control. And then another decision. All of a sudden it's, whoa, just narrowly escaped. And then the next decision and then boom. So my point is your worst decision in life, your greatest regret was probably preceded by a series of not wrong, but certainly unwise decisions. And just because something isn't technically wrong. Just because there's no thou shalt not attached to whatever doesn't mean that thou shalt actually do it. St. John Chrysostom, uh, one of the early church fathers who lived in the uh, fourth uh, century said the following. He said, no one quickly and at once rushes out into vice. No one quickly and at once rushes out into vice. The devil gently and little by little leads him on to it until he comes to the very pit of destruction and cast himself in. There's certain things that may not be wrong. They may not be illegal. There may not be a 10 commandment that's against it, but that's not how we make decisions. We have a higher standard. We're not asking ourselves, is it wrong? We're asking ourselves, is it wise? Now, every week in this series, I present you a question and then I show you a passage from scripture to illustrate that, 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 that question or that principle. This week, it's not a Bible story, it's just three verses. And it comes from the New Testament, the writings of St. Paul in his epistle to the church in Ephesus. And it's from Ephesians chapter five, and it becomes for us a reference point on how we should make decisions. St. Paul is saying, when you make decisions, don't just look at right and wrong, 
Okay, don't just look at commandments. Don't just look at what is going to send me to hell and not send me to hell. I want you to make decisions with, I want you to anchor your decisions to a different reference point. And he says it this way, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says the criteria for our decision-making isn't necessarily right and wrong. It's higher than that. It's wise and unwise. And we need to understand the will of the Lord and be wise and not be as fools. And then he says this expression because the days are evil. And I just want to explain what this means. What does it mean when he says the days are evil? What that means is that life naturally pulls us towards the edges. Okay, we are naturally drawn towards the outer edges of what's allowable and what's okay and what's permissible. The gravitational pull for that two-year-old will always be to the edge of the pool. It will never be towards safety. It will always be towards the edge of what are the limits to which I can go and still be okay. And it's not just the two-year-old. We as adults, there's a gravitational pull towards us, towards extremes, to not just eat, but overeat, to not just drink, but overdrink. To not just spend, but overspend. There's a gravitational pull. Think of it like the undertow in the ocean. It's always pulling us in the direction of extremes and going to the edge and convincing ourselves that, you know, it's just like this news in the morning, that it'll be okay. It's just going to be one more drink. It's just going to be one more bite. It's just going to be one more purchase. It's just going to be one more, just one more, just one more. And it pushes us to the edge and to the brink of it and then tells us that don't worry, I'm not going to push you over just to the edge. But what we need to do is we need to be better. We need to ask ourselves this question. What is the wise thing to do? Not what is permissible, not what is wrong, but what is the wise thing to do? And specifically, I want to take this question and I want to give you three applications for it. And the applications are past, present, and future. So the same question, what is the wise thing to do? But I'm going to add some context to it so you can apply it in three different ways. It's this. In light of my past experiences my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What is the, the wise thing to do? So in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So let's look at the same question, what's the wise thing? But again, in the context of my past, my present, and my future. Let's start with the past. You've of course heard the expression that those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Okay, you've heard that before. I don't know who said it, a very famous person. Well, let me give you another version of it, a little bit less catchy, but gets to the point. Those who don't pay attention to what got them in trouble yesterday are doomed to get in trouble today. I know it's not as catchy, and, but it, it gets my point. Those who didn't pay attention to what got them in the mess yesterday are most likely going to find themselves in the same mess today. What I mean by that is your past, just like my past, your past predisposes you to certain weaknesses or certain temptations or certain lusts or certain attractions or desires or addictions. You, unlike me, where each of us is unique, you are a sucker for certain things and I'm a sucker for different things. And that's why, because of that, because we each have different pasts, because each comes to the table with different baggage, each one of us needs to figure out what's wise in light of my past experience. So there may be some things that's okay for you that's not okay for me. And something that's okay for me that's not okay for you. Example, anyone who knows me looks at me and says, Father Anthony is a very disciplined person, okay? Very dis disciplined and self-control. And I realize I give off that appearance on the outside. 
never smoked, never drank. And I look at that stuff and I'm just like, I don't know why anyone would do that. I don't, I don't, I don't see why anyone would put that stuff in their body. I don't see why anyone would do that stuff. And that's not a temptation for me. Okay, again, never smoked, never drank, and I never will. I never will because I just don't see the benefit of it. Why would I put that junk in my body? So you say, Father Anthony, you're, you're a real disciplined guy. Well, I have my weaknesses. And it might not be drinking. might not be smoking. You know what my weakness is? <laughs> my weakness is the Shoney's all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. <laughs> and that's right. And I heard a collective, mm, yeah, go out across all the people who's watching this. Shoney's all-you-can-eat. Actually, to be honest, it's not just Shoney's. It's, it's any kind of buffet, okay? But especially the breakfast buffet, even with the dessert and the sweet and saucy apple crisp with the cinnamon. Woof! Okay, I have a weakness, a big weakness, in terms of overeating when it comes to buffets. A few years back, this is before we had children, so I guess several years back, I should say, my wife and I went on a romantic vacation to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's right, Myrtle Beach, which in case you didn't know, is the all-you-can-eat capital of the world. Everything in Myrtle Beach is all-you-can-eat. Everything is buffet, everything, okay? And you can tell when you show up there Okay, by just looking around, that this, you're going to do some good eating while you're here. So we hit up all the buffets. We hit up all the buffets. This is back when we were young. We were able to do it. So we did everything. We did, like I said, the Shoney's Breakfast Buffet. That's a staple. Okay, We hit the CC's and the pizza and the $3.99 for all you can eat. We did, of course, Captain D's, Seafood Calabash. We did, the Ita we did it all. Every buffet, we did it. Final night. Final night of our vacation. We've been there seven nights now. Final night of our vacation. We're sitting... <laughs> We're sitting in an all-you-can-eat place, and I remember it. It was called Mammy's Kitchen. Okay, Mammy's Kitchen. Anyone from Myrtle Beach, been to Myrtle Beach, knows Mammy's Kitchen. And I did what I do, okay? Went to the buffet as fast as I could, filled up the plate, okay? And I stacked it, and I piled it, and I got a strategy about how you put the meats at the bottom, and you put the pastas on top. So, so I have a strategy, okay, of how you do this. And you never waste time with the salad. Never waste time with the salad. They put it at the front of the buffet to trick the suckers to fill up their plate with it. But you never, ever do that. You go back for the salad at the end if there's room. Anyway, sat down, filled up my plate, sat down, ready for a good meal. And I'm telling you, <laughs> like two bites in, I put down my knife and fork and I told Marianne, I'm done. I'm done. I can't. I can't take it anymore. And I said, I'm not going to eat anymore. I need to leave. And I needed fresh air. The smell of the place was starting to make me nauseous. I found myself starting to eat, not feeling good, but I'm like, I'm going to get through this plate. Because something about it, once I feel like I paid my $5.99, man, I'm going to get my $5.99's worth. That's kind of my mentality towards it. And I left. Okay, I, I, left, I left my wife. Okay, we were probably in like first couple years of marriage. I left her there at the table and I said, here you go, sweetheart. I'm going to be outside. I got to get some air. I'm not going to eat. I can't take this anymore. I made myself sick. And that's why, okay, to this day, I do not go to buffets. I don't, I don't go to all-inclusives. I don't go to all-inclusives. I made that mistake one time. You will know you know a place you'll never get me? You'll never get me on a cruise. And my wife has been begging me and my daughter was begging me and my dad was begging me and everyone take, I, you can go on a cruise. I'll even, that's fine for you. But for me, Given my past experience, my weakness, my propensity to overeat, you put a you go on a cruise and you tell me there's 24/7 access to ice cream? That's what I've been told. I can get ice cream at like two o'clock in the morning. Are you kidding me? I got no chance. 
And you would say, that's crazy. Is it wrong to go to a buffet? Is it immoral? Is it a sin to go on a cruise? Is it something that's going to send you to hell? No, it's not wrong. And I'm not saying it's wrong. And I'm, it's fine. But for me, it's unwise. It's not, is it a matter, is it right or wrong? It's matters. is it wise, unwise. And for me, given my past experience, it is not wise to go on a cruise, to go to a buffet, to go to an all-inclusive. Because I got to know myself and I got to know my weaknesses. And I know that I am much better off. When you put a price tag next to everything that I eat, I eat much less in those situations versus when it's all paid for. Question for you. How about you? In light of your past experiences, what is the wise thing to do or not do? In light of your past struggles, is it wise to go to that party? In light of your past experience, is it wise to download that app? Is it wise to sign up for that social media, whatever it may be, or new gadget? Is it wise to go overboard? Okay, given that you've gone overboard in this in the past, is it wise to purchase that? Is it wise to invest in that? Is it wise? I'm not telling you it's right or wrong. And I'm not trying to argue that it's in the Bible. I'm just asking you the question. Given your past experience, what is the wise thing to do? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. King Solomon says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? In other words, saying, if you did this before and it burned you, and you did it again and it burned you, do you really think that you're going to do it a third time and it's not going to burn you? Do you really think that you can this time take that fire in your bosom and, and it's not going to burn you? Come on. In light of your past experiences, like let's be honest, like back to the first week of am I being honest with myself? Be honest with yourself. Even if you don't change your, change your decision, you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. In light of your past experiences, is it wise to make that decision? Don't settle for right and wrong. Okay, We're not going to settle for just is it right, is it wrong. We are going to go higher than that. We're going to ask ourselves, in light of my past, is this the wise thing to do? Now let's move to the present. In light of my present circumstances, is this the wise thing to do? My present circumstances. Life is seasonal. Life is seasonal. And there's certain things that may have made sense yesterday, but may not make sense today. And by the same token, things that make sense today, they may not make sense tomorrow. So you have to ask your question. Not again, not is it allowable, not allowable. But in light of my present circumstances, is it wise like, it's, it's, I'm allowed to buy that, but is it wise to buy that right now? Is it wise to take that trip now? Is it wise to start dating again now? Like, I just went through that rough breakup or that rough situation and things spun out of control quick, okay, and thank God I got out of it, but is it wise to rush back in and start dating again? Like, again, I'm not saying is it allowable, I'm not telling you right or wrong, but is it wise? Parents, is it wise to add another commitment to your weekly schedule at this point? Like, is it why? Again, I'm not saying is it allowable, but I'm saying is it wise? You know, speaking of parents, one of the things that um, that is very important to me is that I realize, and I hope you realize it too, that our time with our children is limited. And I know these days with the COVID and everything like that, it feels like we're around them all the time, but I'm telling you, not to sound like the old guy in the room, but they're gonna grow up like that. And before you know it, they're gone. Like I got kids right now who are 16 and 14, and they're going to be out of the house before we know it. And even to be honest, once the licenses, all, and once everyone gets their driver's licenses, even that, to be honest, that that to me is the beginning of the end. So I, I, I came to the conclusion that, you know what, is that is it, it's not wise for me to be out all the time at this point. And I kind of made a decision. 
I made a decision a couple years back that for this next season of my life, when my kids are are still with us, all right, and 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 still need rides and need help with homework and whatnot for this season, which is going to end very soon, I'm not going to be out every weeknight. My goal is to be out one weeknight per per week. That's my goal. Obviously, there's exceptions, all right, and now it's COVID, so no, out zero, but. That's my general rule. As my goal is to be out one week night per per one night per week, okay? And you know what? I say that and I sometimes tell that to other priests or people who ask me and they're like, "Yeah, and I'm and I I quickly say, "You know what? I wasn't always this way. Before I had kids, man, I was out probably 5 nights a week because it was me and my wife and we we're flexible enough we could find time to get to find time with each other in other ways." Right. And when my kids were young and they were in, you know, whatever uh, school before they had homework and things like that, again, things were different. But I just feel like the season that I'm in right now is a season where I need to make some decisions. I need to make some hard decisions and they're not forever decisions. Another example, I, I made the decision, okay, a couple of years back that I'm not going to travel, that I'm going to do my best to avoid traveling. So I don't travel. Obviously, there's exceptions, but I don't travel to visit other churches. People invite me here and there, and people want me to go to their wedding and their whatever. I, I, I do my best to avoid travel. And you say, but, you know, does that mean you're never? No, I'm not saying never. And, and you know what? When my kids are out of the house, maybe I'll return to that. But I feel like right now, it would not be the wise thing for me to do to be out all the time. How about you? Your kids are young. Is now the wise time to be working 80 hours a week? Is now the wise time... To, to, to sign up for the, the PTO and the other thing and the other thing is now a wise time to build, to, to start your business? Maybe. I got, I'm not telling you it is or it isn't, but I'm saying it's, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to them to at least ask. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. In other words, there's a time for everything. There's a time to date and a time to take a break from dating. There's a time to go out and be social. There's a time to spend alone. There's a time to invest, a time to save, a time to be uh, uh, with people, a time to be alone with God. There's a time for everything. And just because something is allowable doesn't mean it's the wise thing to do. So first, in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? Second, in light of my present circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? And then the third is the future. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And I'm going to tell you, as a priest, nothing. As a priest, there is nothing that is worse watching. Nothing worse than watching someone sabotage their own life with their bad decisions. Like, if it's one thing, if you got hopes and you got dreams and someone else steals it from you because of their sin or their error, yes, that's really bad. But what's much, much, much worse and tragic in my eyes is when you do it to yourself. And when I see someone sabotaging and undermining the very thing that they desire more than anything else. And I'll tell you how I see it. When I ask people the question, what is it you want out of life? What is it you dream? What is it you hope for the future? And then they tell me these things. And then I see the behavior that they're doing is, is exactly the opposite of what is going to get them there. It's the single person who says, my dream is a godly marriage. My dream is a godly marriage. But then they live in very ungodly life as a single and thinking that somehow an ungodly dating life and an ungodly single life will somehow magically transform into a godly marriage one day. It's the dating couple 
who says, we want the blessing of God in this relationship. We want the blessing of God for our home forever. Yet they walk in direct opposition to the path God has said, this is the path to blessing. This is my commandment of how you are to behave and not behave. It's the parents who say, my kids are number one and investing in my kids. And I sacrifice everything for my kids. And then you go and you watch and all day they're on the Facebook and they're on the posting and they're on the commenting or on the Instagram and they're on the Pinterest and whatever it may be. Or they spend 80 hours a week at work, but my kids are number one. Come on, you're smarter than this. I'm not saying it's wrong to go on Facebook. I'm not saying it's wrong to work hard. I'm not saying it's wrong to do any of these things. But I'm asking you, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Is the person who tells me, I want to be connected with God. I want to hear God's voice. I, I, I want to have an intimate personal relationship with God. And then they neglect the day-to-day -day practices of that, of that spiritual life. They neglect the prayer, neglect the Bible, go to church whenever it is that they can. Come on. You're undermining your own success, your own future, and your own dreams when you do that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8 says this. St. Paul says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And you can't pull a fast one on God. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. God is not mocked. We're not playing games right here. Okay? You can't fool God. You can't pull a fast one on God. What you sow is what you will reap. So with that in mind, let me ask you a few questions. And I, I apologize for meddling into your life. But I don't really apologize. I'm doing it because I care. In light of where you want to be, in light of where you want to be financially in 10 years, what's the wise thing to do? In light of your financial goals, where you want to be 10 years from now, what is it that you need to start doing and stop doing? What habits you need to start? What habits you need to stop? What goals do you need to set? What practices you need to implement? Like, come on, like make a commitment. Say to yourself, because of my goal, my dream in 10 years is to have this financial goal. What do I need to do today in light of that future financial goal? What is the wise thing to do today? Yes, you're allowed to go to Target and shop. Yes, you're allowed to go to Amazon. Yes, you're allowed to go to whatever and buy what you, yes, you're allowed to buy a new phone. I'm not saying it's wrong, but is it wise in light of your goal? Is that, is that, is that the wise thing to do in light of where it is that you want to be in 10 years? You're single. All the singles out there. In light of your hopes and your dreams relationally. And where you hope to be romantically, five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever it may be. In light of your future hopes and dreams, relationally, what is the wise way to do this phase of life? What is the wise way to approach dating? What is the wise way uh, to live your life right now? What is it that has the potential at this point to rob you of that future that you dream of? What is it that has the potential to put you on a course that you don't want to be on? And the opposite. What is it that'll put you on the course for success? Asking you the question, not is what is wrong, but what is wise. If you're married and you plan to go the distance, staying together, we're going to be married for life. We're going to raise our kids. We're going to raise grandkids. We will be truly BFF, best friends forever. And we hope to finish stronger than we started. If that's the case, I congratulate you and commend you on that, but let me ask you a question. In light of that goal of where it is that you want to be, what's the wise thing to do right now? What are some good practices that will help you to reach those goals? What precautions should you be taking to make sure that you don't put steer off track? What are some guardrails that you need to implement to help you achieve not my goal, but your goal and your hopes and your dreams? 
let's say you got children, you're raising kids, in light of your hopes and your dreams for your kids, what is it that you envision okay, for them when they are teenagers, when they are in college, when they are graduated, when they're married, when they have their own kids? What relationship do you want to have with them? What relationship do you want them to have with God? Like, what is it that you see in their life? So given that, in light of your future hopes and dreams for your children, what is the wise thing to do now? What practices would it be wise to incorporate now? What decisions would it be wise to make right now? What habits do we need to stop now or start now? What do we need to say no to, say yes to? What do we need to reprioritize? What is the wise thing to do in light of, again, not my dreams, but your hopes and your dreams? Not what is right and what is wrong, but what is wise and unwise. I hate to sound negative here, but I got to tell you the truth. The truth is when it comes to your hopes and your dreams, the deck is stacked against you. The odds are not in your favor. Because as St. Paul said in our verse, the days are evil. The gravitational pull is not towards a happy marriage, live happily ever after. That's not the gravitational pull. The gravitational pull is not towards financial health and security. That's not. The gravitational pull will never be towards purity in your single life. Never, ever, ever. The gravitational pull will always be against your hopes and your dreams. So because of that, because of that, we have to start making decisions, making better decisions. Not asking what is what is right and what's wrong. Not asking how close can I get to the edge. Like you know this and I know this. We've all seen people lose their hopes and dreams, have serious consequences because they walked right up to the edge and they made a decision that wasn't wrong, but it wasn't wise. And another one that wasn't wrong, but it was even more unwise. And unwise and unwise and unwise till eventually, boom, tumbling over the cliff. And the, and the, the simple thing to do is say, well, it was that last decision, but you and I know the truth. The truth is, is that every regret was preceded by a series of unwise decisions that didn't start as wrong or illegal, but they got them into trouble. But you got a chance to get this right. You got a chance to get this right. There's still time. There's still time to get to your dream. There's still time to get those hopes and your future that you desire. There's still a chance. As long as we're breathing and as long as God is still alive and with us, there's still a chance to get there but you need to change the question that you ask. You need to stop asking, is this right and is this wrong? And how come and show me a verse, get rid of that question. And instead, ask yourself, is this the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, is this the wise thing to do? I'm gonna remind you of our verse today that St. Paul said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. As we wrap up this series, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Okay, I really think that the, the subject we've been talking about, the questions we've been looking at, really have the power to change the trajectory of our lives. If we change the way, the, the questions that we ask, if we change our mental framework, we can start making better decisions, which will ultimately lead to better outcomes and fewer regrets when all is said and done. Because in the end, like I said, you're only as good as your questions. You're only as good as your questions. You're only as good as the questions that you ask and the impact that you will have on this world will only be as much as the questions and as the quality of questions that you decide to ask yourself. So 
I'm going to show you the four questions again up here on the screen. One last time, I'll put them up here on the screen, and I want you to get your cell phone ready if you want to take a picture of it, okay, or a screenshot or whatever it is, and I want you to take these questions. I really, I don't want this to be just a series that in one ear and out the other. I want you to take this and post these, like maybe you design into a little thing that you posted on your fridge or on your bathroom mirror. Maybe it's your, 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 your background of your phone or whatever it is. I want you to really work on incorporating these questions. And I'm telling you, it'll be a little bit hard at first, but eventually it can become second nature that we ask ourselves these things when making a decision. And here are the questions one last time. Question number one, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself really? Question number two, what story do I want to tell? When all is said and done and my life is just a story, what story do I want to tell? Question number three, is there a tension that deserves my attention? A little gut uneasy feeling. Question number four, what is the wise thing to do? Not what is the right thing or the wrong thing, but what is the wise thing to do? You and I have gotten to where we've gotten because of the, uh, because of the decisions that we've made thus far. You are where you are because of the decisions that you've made thus far. That one rhymed. And the reason that you've made those decisions is because of the questions that you ask. If you want to get to new places and reach new levels, we need to make better decisions. And the way we get there is by asking better questions to ourselves. And my prayer for you and for the sake of all those whose lives are impacted by your decisions, for the sake of them and for the sake of yourself, my prayer that we would take control of our lives, that you would take control of your life, and you would begin steering it in the direction that you want by asking yourself these four questions every time. Let's bow our heads and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this series that you gave to us, and thank you, Lord, that, that you gave us a framework of how we can get to where we want to get. Everyone here who's listening to this, Lord, has dreams, has hopes, has a future they want. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to take control of our, of our future and not just leave it to chance or leave it to the undertow of this world. To take control by incorporating these questions into our day-to-day -day life. And we trust, Lord, that when we do that, that you will help us to make better decisions that will allow us to glorify you and your holy name all the days of our life. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions of all your saints. Hear us as we pray, thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with family and friends. If there's anything that we can do for you, please visit our website and let us know how we can help or how we can pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Have a great day.